Welcome to the Power Hour. I'm Adrienne Herbert, wellness coach, international speaker and author. Each week I speak to a variety of guests from business founders to Olympic athletes, leading coaches, change makers and innovators to find out their daily habits, their rules to live by and what motivates them to get up out of bed each day. Personally, I am on a mission to encourage, motivate and inspire. So I hope that the Power Hour will help you to achieve your personal and professional goals. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the Power Hour podcast. Today, I am joined by Tero Isakopula. Welcome to the show. Tero, thank you so much for joining us. Thanks, Adrian. I'm excited to be here. And where, where are you joining us from today? in Paris, France, which is not where I live at all. I used to live here 12 plus years ago, but I'm just visiting for a week. Okay, just visiting. And so I first discovered you and I actually discovered your company for Sigmatic a few years ago. So for listeners of the show, Tero is the president and founder of Four Sigmatic, which is a natural superfood supplement company that produces a range of mushroom powder supplements so that's how i first uh, discovered you and your work it was a few years ago i think i actually heard about four sigmatic on a podcast uh, another podcast that i listened to and that's that was my first ever entry dipping my toe in the water of adaptogens and i think i started off with the with the lion's mane mushroom coffee yeah that's a common entry point yeah, well, I think it was something about the, I think the person that was talking about it was talking about the time, optimizing mind, focus, and concentration. And that was what drew me in. Love it. And then in recent years, I followed your work as well as also Dr. Andrew Real. And I've, I feel like I've learned quite a lot about the incredible power of mushrooms and specifically their medicinal properties and the health benefits. But as always, I love to go to the source and find out as much as I can from from experts in their field such as yourself so i'd really love to start off today by first learning a bit more about you and how you first discovered your interest and your passion for mushrooms and plant nutrition yeah of course as you could tell from my weird name that you actually pronounce really well <laughs> I, I i gave an a minus to that i'm originally from finland so i'm a 13th generation family farmer so i grew up in a farm that has been with our family since 1619. And my dad is an agronomist and my mom taught uh, physiology and anatomy. And then I went to kind of a hippie natural eco school that my great great grandfather helped to found. So a lot of my heritage with natural health, as long as mushrooms and adaptogens comes through my heritage. Mm -hmm. I later went in to study chemistry and nutrition and Somewhat similar to you, I also ran semi-competitively, <laughs> and uh, but I was lucky enough to be friends with people who are actual professional athletes, and I started coaching nutrition really early on to, uh, yeah, professional athletes and busy people, and through that, have spent most of my life, but more intensively the last 15 years with optimal human performance, which included these natural substances like functional mushrooms and adaptogens. Wow. And actually 15 years, you know, it's, it's a long time, relatively long time. And I think I feel like personally, like the plant-based movement maybe, you know, took to the spotlight, you know, about a decade ago, but more recently, I think mushrooms are definitely having a moment. It feels like that anyway, in the health and well-being world, it feels like more people are 
talking about mushrooms, everything from skincare to supplements to to adaptogens to coffees, all of these kind of things. So, how have you seen that change in the in the time that that you've been working in the industry? How have you seen, yeah, kind of a, I guess a more mainstream adoption? Yeah, for sure, it's it's increased. And I mean, growing up in the natural health, I've seen these waves come and. Yeah, you could call them in trends, but the best things that actually work are beyond trends. They're things that stay and have staying power. Like right now, mushrooms and adaptogens are clearly having a moment, but uh, health and wellness advances consistently, and there's always a new thing. It's maybe like partly science advances, so we learn more, but also us humans always want more. We're never satisfied. So we always want what's even a better way to do things. So to constantly find competitive advantage and that the world has become a lot more stressful. One could argue, at least argue that. Mm, no, I agree. I think especially the word trends, because as somebody who I like to empower myself with knowledge, should we say? I feel mm -hmm. like I kind of, I'm quite, I'm probably one of those people who rolls their eyes at new well-being trends. And I kind of go, okay, you know, this is the next thing, as you say, that's going to be either a quick fix for people, or it's the, the one thing that's going to optimize and change every kind of health outcome. So you do have to, yeah, I think really interrogate these things when they do become trends or, or just understand why, you know, they're getting so much attention. I think it's a fantastic thing that the health and well-being sector is becoming more mainstream as you said we're going into different cities you know i'm traveling a lot as well this year and going into different cities and different even just train stations airports being able to get healthy food unprocessed food natural food but i still feel like if i'm honest depending on where you are in the world you still have to seek I'd say like 80% when i especially this last week i've been away and 80% of the foods that were on offer especially in the airports or on a flight or on a train, they're all processed foods. They're all, you know, huge portions of uh, processed things, high fats, high sugar, you know, fizzy drinks. And actually as a parent as well, sometimes you have to look around and you're like, I just want to find something simple like a banana. Like everything in here is aluminous, it's fizzy, it's full of sugar. And without being, you know, I don't know, too uptight, I do think it's, it's strange that there's this almost like a polarization. There's people who want to optimize every single aspect and they want to, I always think it's the healthy people that want to get healthier. And then there's almost the pendulum the other way of real unhealth and actually, you know, obesity, diabetes, all of these conditions. And it seems as though it's, it's quite, yeah, it feels like there's a big gap in between actually. Yeah, absolutely. And that's, I think, true for most things in the world right now. <laughs> Unfortunately, sure. there's a lot of polarity. Um, so yeah, there's people who live healthier than ever before. And there's a lot of people who, for various reasons, don't eat clean at all. And there's obviously economic reasons why processed food is so popular. Um, first of all, it's cheaper to produce usually. Um, mm. You get a lower nutrient density by producing a higher yield of some crop. So it's cheaper. It contains preservatives and things that the shelf life is longer. And honestly, it's often processed to be a sweeter version of, of the thing, including the banana you said, which is, you know, a totally fine food, but the banana we eat today is not the banana of its native roots. It's processed to be sweeter and be more hyper palatable versus a lot of healthy things might be deemed not tasty to taste buds that have been 
trained to eat processed food. Yeah, I mean, I noticed that myself. As I said, I've just been away for um, a week. I was on holiday and I was indulging. I was having lots of delicious things. But then I noticed myself, if you then come back um, home and think, okay, you know, enough is enough. (laughs) And I'm just having my regular food. And it does feel like even, for example, having sweet corn or carrots things that are actually sweet it takes a while i think for your taste buds to readjust when you take out the processed and the sugar and the fats and the salt because i think Mm -hmm. especially the restaurant that we were in i really noticed every day i was like wow this food is delicious but i was super thirsty afterwards i was like there's so much salt in this food so today i've definitely felt the the difference in just eating plain food i was like this tastes really boring (laughs) yeah for sure and often like when you start doing good things for your health, you start to feel better, whatever that is, going for a run, eating cleaner. But when you really notice the difference is when you take a break. And sometimes it takes you to eat unhealthy for a bit or not exercise for a bit to notice why it's so valuable to do those things. Yes, I totally agree. And I think for a lot of people, because, you know, I speak to people all around the world, sometimes via this podcast, sometimes via delivering keynotes or workshops. And whenever I do the Q&A, you know, obviously I try and be as empathetic and understanding as possible to people's situations. But often I think it's this vicious cycle where people, if they're feeling bad and they're feeling fatigued, they might be feeling stressed, they might be feeling unmotivated all of these things then continue to perpetuate those things because it's harder to to go and exercise or they feel fatigued and they want to have the the sugary thing or the coffee so yeah it is you're you're so totally right i think sometimes having a bit of a circuit break but then also being really really honest with yourself and saying how do you want to feel and is what you're doing right now is it working or what is it costing you to continue mm-hmm. you know living your life in that way and as you said there's so many things that impact how we feel it's not just one thing as simple as oh buy this food or go to bed early there's so many things impacting us external stressors but i think it's it's yeah it's often hard for people actually to to break the chain and to start to take control and to and to do the things they need to do to feel good absolutely So many of us have heard the term food is medicine and certain foods are called superfoods. And so what is it about mushrooms specifically? Why do we often call them superfoods? What is it that they potentially have that is so impactful for our health? Yeah, that's a great question because uh, similar to you, I also, I cringe honestly when people use some of these terms, especially when they're used in a marketing purpose uh, pretty loosely. Um, at the same time, there are foods that are clearly more nutrient dense than other foods. And Mm. there's so many data points to prove that. And if you want to improve your life, often nutrient density of your diet is one of the basic building blocks of your food. So having these more nutrient dense foods, let's call them superfoods, um, is helpful. Oftentimes those are also the world's most studied foods. So those are the foods where we have the most you can always have more, but the most scientific literature, and they often tend to be foods that have the longest um, cultural staying power, often thousands of years. When so, so when uh, when somebody says it's like, oh, mushrooms are having a moment right now. When do you think they will go out of style? And I'm like, well, mushrooms or fungi have been here for 2.4 billion years and we've been here, what, 100 or 200,000 years. So <laughs> I think they will outlast us quite a, quite a lot. So um, 
but yeah, what is a superfood? Um, it's a term that again is used very loosely, but it is to me. Um, I named my company Four Sigmatic, and that's the geeky mathematical way of saying the top 100 most nutrient dense foods in the world. Um, that's one definition, but there's many other definitions. But these are the best of the best um, of foods, and some of them, many of them, are actually very common day foods from you know, lemon to black pepper and things like that. And some are more exotic, like these mushrooms. Um, fungi is one of the more misunderstood groups that one could consume for health. Uh, a lot of a lot of nutrition, same as how I was brought up studying nutrition, was a lot of, there was a lot of debate about macronutrients, proteins versus carbs versus fats. And there was a lot of battle or increasing battle between two kingdoms of plants or plantae and animals, animalia. But there is four other kingdoms. Two of them I mentioned is bacteria and fungi, fungi being the kingdom for where mushrooms live. And these are forgotten, but they're in, in our body anyway. So you like it or not, you have fungi in your body. You might actually have more fungi in your body than you'll have cells in your body. So wherever you find bacteria, you tend to find fungi. So in our skin and our gut, it's full of fungi. Most common day foods have fungi, bread, wine, cheese, beer. Those are not healthy examples, but also every plant pretty much in the world requires these fungi to collect nutrients and water. So uh, there's fungi in the air, and actually, even humans used to share ancestors with fungi. So the kingdom of animals and fungi uh, had the same ancestors. So that's a long-winded answer to say that fungi are part of our life. That also means we're very prone to fungal diseases because of this historical linkage with animals or humans and fungi. We share almost 50% of our DNA with fungi, which again, makes us prone to fungal diseases like candida and mold, but mm. also makes fungal medicine healthful. So is all mushrooms good for you? Absolutely not. Some will kill you, some will hurt you slowly, but there are fungal species that deliver on health benefits beyond what plants can do, purely for the reason that we share ancestors with fungi. Well, thank you, because it's super helpful and fascinating to learn actually about that that link. I hadn't really considered that and, and didn't have that much information about it. But the word that I definitely, you mentioned, it came straight to mind was danger. I grew up with a Jamaican grandmother who would mm -hmm. not eat a mushroom, not one single mushroom. And if she ever saw you with mushrooms, anything, she would say, no, mushrooms are dangerous. They're bad. And I used to be like, Nan, it's fine. Don't worry about it. It's just like a white mushroom, like a portobello mushroom whatever mm -hmm. she was so she had this fear and actually even the words fungi or you know people think bacteria mold we think these things are inherently just you know dangerous and even for example with when a food just a vegetable starts to have maybe discoloration or a little bit of mold and it's like oh you could just maybe chop it off or if you're going to heat boil it or cook it it's probably going to be fine people will throw the whole vegetable away because they're like no it has mold it's you can't eat that it's gone bad so yeah how do people i guess start to understand apart from the really extreme okay this mushroom's going to kill you where do we how can we i guess figure out what is that line between it's, it's actually okay we, we have fungus we have bacteria in our bodies versus this is dangerous 
Yeah, I have an easy answer and a difficult answer. <laughs> so, but the fact is, uh, our culture and society, uh, especially the Anglo-Saxon culture and society, is very mycophobic. So there's a fear of mushrooms versus most of the rest of the world is mycophilia. So they're like love for mushrooms. So if you look at certain Latin cultures, Asian cultures, Slavic, Eastern European cultures, there's a huge love and affinity to fungi. But there is historical reasons why Anglo-Saxons, particularly British, have been afraid of mushrooms. There's two theories. One of them is around mold and getting sick from various mold. Um, the other one is around psychedelics and the church. I'm not here to debate which theory is right or wrong, but there are cultures that have a genuine fear for fungi. And the solution for that and the difficult answer is that you just have to become mushroom literate and learn these things. And this is not just true for mushrooms or fungi, but all kinds of natural things. But in ideally, people would take the time to reconnect with nature and learn these, one could even say more primitive skills that our ancestors had that we've just forgotten as we've become domesticated in our urban lives. Yes, and I will confess, I definitely I definitely prefer the former, you know, I can make my four sigmatic coffee. I can go, okay, great. I don't have to go out and forage for mushrooms. I'm very fortunate that I have actually been on a trip once uh, that was organized and we did go mushroom foraging and I learned a lot again awesome. on this. Oh, it was, it was incredible. Some of it was to, for us to cook and, you know, we made, um, I think we just made mushroom sauteed like mushrooms and risotto, but it was also yeah. learning about like the topical aspect from, you know, skincare brands and how they're using mushrooms. So I've done the foraging thing once but if i had to do it's like every it's like everything right convenience and speed if i had to do that every time i i know that that's just not going to happen in my life you know in the modern busy world i'm not going to go and forage for mushrooms every week so it definitely definitely works for me to be able to buy a product and know that i'm still going to access those benefits without having to yeah do the hard bit sadly yeah and, and i'm all for it you know you got to meet people where they're at in every area of life and that's what was the inspiration to start the company. That being said, we, we do also need to acknowledge that some things around health and wellness do require a sacrifice or a change. And like mm -hmm. we talked about taste buds of we're used to really sugary processed things. There's an adjustment period, sometimes even detoxification period. But yeah, with fungi, you don't need to learn mushroom top mushroom number 22 or 58. But you can just learn the top three, um, the most scientifically studied, the most ancient use case, and use them in things you do already anyway, be it a smoothie or be it a coffee or even skincare. Okay, great. So what are those top three? Can you list them for us? <laughs> yeah, of course. The most popular mushrooms for health, and we have to note that there's many kinds of fungi. There's often a lot of confusion between culinary mushrooms like portobello mushrooms that you would eat for flavor purposes. And then the mushrooms that I'm talking about, which are functional, they have a health benefit to them. And there's some overlap. There's mushrooms like shiitake that are both delicious and functional, but primarily those are two different categories. And then there's the psychedelic mushrooms, which is the elephant in the room that always someone brings up which are provide completely different functional benefit. Um, but here we're going to talk about these kind of healthy superfood mushrooms or functional mushrooms. The most studied one by far is called reishi 
R-E-I-S-H-I. That's a Japanese name. All of these mushrooms have a common name and a Latin name, but the Latin name is usually very difficult. In this case, it's Conoderma lucidum. So people just say Rishi. You think Rishi is a difficult name. The Latin name is always harder. <laughs> but Japan is one of those cultures, along with the Russians and the Nordics that have been very you know, mushroom friendly. So a lot of mushroom names have a Japanese origin. Even the mushroom like shiitake, maitake mm -hmm. that I mentioned, the taki means mushroom in Japanese. But yeah, rishi is the most studied one. It's also known as the queen of all mushrooms. It has many amazing health benefits, but one of the best things it offers is it has a very calming grounding effect, mm -hmm. uh, restoring your bodies. There's an HB axis, which is basically like uh, how your hormonal system works. So yeah, it restores your body and it's best used at night for deep sleep. But it also has other benefits from immunity to even antihistaminic benefits uh, for people who have, let's say, allergies. So that would be number one. So if there's a queen, there must be a king. The king is not as good as the queen, obviously, uh, <laughs> but it's a good, it's nevertheless, it's a good one. It's called chaga, C-H-A-G-A. That's an important mushroom for us Finns. It's, um, it's even mentioned in the first book ever written in the Finnish language called Seven Brothers. It's, it's an inspiration also for my company, Four Sigmatic. Our product, Mushroom Coffee, was invented because Finns drink more coffee than any other nation in the world per capita. And during Second World War, we were attacked both by the Germans and the Russians, and we didn't have enough coffee beans, so our ancestors brewed this mushroom chaga that grows in our backyard in a tree in the birch tree as a coffee substitute so chaga is amazing for gut health and skin so it's really good for that it's highest source of melanin for example in nature which is a powerful antioxidant um, again often linked with skin and beauty but also has many other benefits um, and then third one is probably which was not the case a few years ago but it has become probably the most trendiest mushroom and the most talked about mushroom in the last decade plus is lion's mane. Hmm. Lion's mane, again, has had very interesting research for cognitive health, especially out of Japan. But given the mental wellness, mental health issues that the world has been facing and the powers of this mushroom, and I can talk about the detailed benefits, but it offers very unique benefits, the ability to penetrate the blood-brain barrier and help with both with our cognitive function and mental health, it's become probably the most popular of all the mushrooms over the last decade. So yeah, Rishi, the queen, Chaga, the king, and then now the most talked about mushroom, lion's mane. Wow. Yes. Well, as I mentioned, lion's mane was actually my introduction. I am familiar with Rishi for the calming, the calming benefits that you mentioned and Chaga. I think I, I think I, am I right in thinking Chaga is quite a strong, strong flavor? Yeah. It's like, if you have a cup of Chaga tea, which is usually how these are consumed in teas or broths or coffee, I guess as well. Um, it's completely black because of the melanin and it has a very earthy flavor, but it's not bitter. Like Rishi would be a bitter flavor, but yeah, Chaga definitely has a very earthy, earthy, uh, kind of like a strong black tea type of flavor, but there's no caffeine. Well, that was gonna be the next thing that I was gonna ask you about because we're saying coffee, we're saying, 
you know, this coffee, that coffee, the first question people usually ask me is, does it have caffeine? Do all of these different mushrooms contain caffeine? If they give you a similar feeling like the lion's mane, if it gives you a feeling Mm -hmm. of enhanced focus and uh, I I suppose even the word adaptogen by definition means, you know, it's an active ingredient in the plant that's going to adapt something, you know, ability to cope with fatigue or stress. So meaning that, you know, our bodies. It's bringing our bodies back to balance, right? So homeostasis is helping something in the body to change or to shift state. So does it contain caffeine or is it just a similar uh, experience? So fungi are awesome because they fit literally every diet and they tick every box, partly because they're part of every aspect of our lives. And I could talk for hours about that. But if you're vegan, if you're paleo, if you're this and that, you can have these top mushrooms. Even if you have candida, which is a bad mushroom, they don't have caffeine. So no, they don't have caffeine. That being said, for Sigmatic, for example, started creating only caffeine-free products early on. But the most popular products today are products that have are mixed kind of like half and half, half mm-hmm. coffee, half mushrooms. So people still love the flavor and the little bit of kick from caffeine. Um, so most people love to mix the two. So, so the most common mushroom coffee products are kind of half and half. So they have half the caffeine of a normal cup of coffee, which is similar to what you would have from a cup of tea. Cup yeah. of tea, depending on what type of cup of tea you would have, uh, is roughly half the caffeine of a cup of coffee. Yeah, great. And so, you know, you mentioned some of the, the benefits, you know, calming or, or gut health. Mm-hmm. Why, if someone was listening to this and thinking, okay, why should I include adaptogens? Why should I include these mushrooms in my diet? And actually, is this something that people should try and include every single day? Or is it Mm -hmm. just when they're maybe recovering from being unwell or when they've had a really intense, stressful time and they're feeling fatigued? Or is this something we should try and have every single day? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, And going back to where we started from, there's a lot of ways how you can improve your health and wellness. So Mm -hmm. obviously the first question is, what do you, where are you today in your life and what do you want? In most cases, people who are really healthy or people who are not necessarily been living the ideal life as of recently, the often answer is they want more, they want better. And in that case, there's many ways to achieve better, however you define yourself. Like if you want to elevate your wellness, whatever is your starting point, there's many ways to get there. So first answer is why would you care about fungi? You don't have to, but they will be part of your life if you want it or not. So therefore I would recommend you adding the good guys into your diet versus the bad guys that will be there otherwise. So that's one. Um, The second reason is that it's simple is because again, there's many ways how you could do it. So when you apply these absolutely peak, most nutrient dense foods in the world, it's kind of like one and done. Like you get so many benefits from a small change in life, like a small addition or a small upgrade of coffee or add a little bit to your smoothie or to your food. It's a small thing to do that offers a lot of benefits versus having to do a large amount of things. So to me, it's an easy way to upgrade your life and life quality. And then finally, one of the best parts about fungi and adaptogens are more relevant now than they've ever been. Like the little definition of these so-called adaptogens is that they help your body to adapt to stressors and, and fungi are like I mentioned with lion's mane, it's for mental health. Like these are 
things that are more relevant now, given how modern life is having a toll both on our physical and mental health and the stress of the life we've created is, is really like these substances, natural substances are more suited for the modern day life than they've ever been. And, and, and they've already been consumed for thousands of years by our ancestors and they've, they've been elevated culturally to higher statuses around the world to become these miracle foods. And now they're even more relevant than they've ever been given the stress that we're facing. Yeah, I think that's such a key point, isn't it? Because our lives and what we are expecting our bodies and our brains to cope with and what we, you know, because the world innovates at such pace as we know, technology, entertainment, media, social connection, everything is, I suppose, supercharged in the digital, virtual, everything's super fast. And I think we had this conversation with somebody just this week and they said well you know humans have adapted we we adapt as well but I was like yeah we're not at that pace you know we're not we can't adapt to not needing to sleep we can't adapt to working 20 hours every day looking at blue light or not you know not being isolated from other people and not having community and connection and just expect yeah our bodies to function as, as they should everything from our digestive system to our hormones sleep sleep i think is one of the biggest things where so many people now expect their bodies to just go without sleep because they world and because their lifestyle dictates that but your body is not personally i just feel like our bodies are not going to change to to match we're not an iphone we can just upgrade we need sleep just like we need so many other things mm -hmm. so i agree that it's more important now than ever before to be able to we might not be able to change all of our lives to make them perfect for our health but adding things in sure it kind of feels like a no-brainer like if you can add things in to to help and to support then why wouldn't you want to do that yeah and it's it's an interesting counter argument that i sometimes hear when i talk to people is like hey like um my great grandparents didn't need to eat superfoods or whatever because mm -hmm. well first of all uh they probably did you just don't know it <laughs> like fermented foods bone broth you know, like sauerkraut, herbalism were commonplace and including fungi in a lot of our ancestors' foods. But even if that would not be the case, we also don't live the lives that our great-grandparents did. Is that, like you said, the amount of stimuli that we have and the amount of work hours and pace of life is completely different. So, I mean, it's such a um, kind of a cliche anecdote, but like you wouldn't give ordinary gas to a Formula One car because they are like, we're literally kind of on a racetrack racing for, for our lives and running around all day long, which means we need to take care of our system like it is like an Italian sports car and not like your, you know, your parents hand me down, you know, 20 old year old Toyota Corolla or something like that. You know, it's like, yeah. um, we need to take care of our bodies if we want to live this modern day life that a lot of us are living. Alternatively, you, you can absolutely downgrade and move to nature, but everybody pretty much I've met who've done that shift, um, they are even bigger fans of things like herbs and mushrooms and fermented foods and grounding and cold exposure and all these things so those people are doing these health strategies even more than people in the cities even though they probably don't need to because they have so much less stress in their lives 
Yeah, and I suppose I'd love to hear from you, Tedo, I guess on a more personal note, you know, I follow you online, on, on social media. I know that you have a young family and that you love to travel. As I mentioned, I'm traveling so much this year. I feel so grateful and, and fortunate to be able to do so. I'm really, really enjoying that and, you know, really leaning into actually going to new places, eating new foods, you know, meeting new people. I'm just loving that. So, but I'm also, you know, someone with a lot of ambition. I'm entrepreneurial. I work a lot as well. So I think my question to you is as an entrepreneur, how do you approach that blend between your work and your life? Mm -hmm. Well, I wish there was just one answer. Um, you know, it's just like one magic bullet that like, if you do this or use this app or do this one strategy, it's all enough. Um, unfortunately it's a series of things and systems that I've had to build over frankly like a long time to be able to do do that uh sustainably you can do it short term but then use there's a price to pay so um but some of the things that have worked for me and these are not exhaustive things that i do um but for sure you got to remember is that when you travel you need to take care of your health and your well-being twice as much as at home because at home you're exposed to the bacteria and viruses that your body is used to versus when you're traveling, they shift. Even mm. going to a new country, even though it's not necessarily a worse bacterial system, it's a different. And so body accustoms to it. Um, you have stimuli, although they're positive stimuli, you're going to new places, new cultures, uh, new foods. These are things what makes us travel or do things uh, explore other cultures. There's still stimulants, similarly as exercise. Exercise is a good stressor, but it's still a stressor that you need to recover from and you can do too much of it. So yeah, if you travel, you need to like double down on your supplements and double down on, on your health strategies. Um, the other thing is you got to be extra clear about priorities because yeah you really have to like boundaries and priorities need to be really clear. And if you're not clear, um, then, then you're like a sailboat without direction. Like you're not knowing where you're going. So it probably means you got to really hard prioritize, which probably means you got to say no. And you probably need to set a lot of boundaries, uh, whatever those are for you. And then finally, on a more lighter note to me, uh, you kind of mentioned it through sleep, but, there's very few problems in life that a good nap doesn't solve. So like allowing yourself to slow down and nap is a fantastic symbol of it. There's other ways to slow down, but when you're traveling or you're busy, it's often like you got to slow down to be productive and effective as well. I believe it's a Navy SEALs quote from America, kind of also a little bit of a cliche, but, um, something like slow is smooth and smooth is fast and finding ways to slow down and breathe. Breath work is another fantastic way to achieve it besides napping and doing breath work, taking a nap, taking a break, it helps you do all the other things. But yeah, unfortunately there's no magic bullet, but it's a series of systems and habits that I've tested and work for me. Well, thank you for sharing. And yeah, I guess it changes, of course, you know, everything changes in our lives. I think the second point definitely resonated with me this year around the boundaries and actually separating 
I mentioned online the other day, actually I wrote a post about separating the two things between work travel and holiday. They are not the same thing. So often people will see that I'm going somewhere, maybe I'm delivering a workshop or a talk and I, and even myself included, I have to remember, sometimes it can be a short turnaround trip. You know, you turn up, it's, you know, airports, flights, you maybe slight change in time zone, you do the work, you come back. It's very different to a holiday. So yeah, I think for me, I'm, trying to make sure as well that when I'm on holiday, I'm like, that is a holiday. So yeah, switch off, mm-hmm. tell people that you're not available. Don't be distracted by emails or WhatsApp. Just be there and see the place. Actually see it with your eyes, look around and just be there versus when you're going somewhere to work, you just have to accept sometimes that there might be a beautiful balcony view of a mountain or a beach. But if you're sitting at your laptop, you're not really going to see it. So I think making that differentiation for me this year has been key and saying, okay, this is work travel and this is a holiday, not trying to make them both the same thing. Yeah. And I had to do the similar learning experience uh, somewhat recently because like I've lived in 10 countries and I spend over half a decade being nomadic. So I had a good flow on how to mix the personal and the professional, uh, but it was just me being a single guy. And now that I have a family and a child, I've had to really separate. So work trips have become shorter and more intense because I'm just there for work. And then holidays, I've had to learn how to switch off and slow down. So when I was single, I was able to mix the two. And now with the family and traveling with a child and a wife, like I've had to really create boundaries myself as well. So similar life lesson for me as well recently. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Well, lastly, because I'm sadly we're coming to a close. Lastly, I'd like to ask you about the power hour concept which is all Mm -hmm. about the first hour of every single day i call it a power hour because i years and years ago just got really super intentional about having the first hour of my day carved out as space for me so Mm -hmm. i'd love to know taro if you have a power hour if you have a morning routine i'm sure it's probably changed now that you have a young son but what does the first hour of your day typically include yeah, that's such a great question because that morning hour is the often when we have the highest probability of using our self-discipline to create positive change in our life and then that compounding the goodness through the rest of the day. And I listen to your podcast and there's some great answers that people have given. So um, I try to think of, because my actual answer is quite boring is I wake Mm -hmm. up, drink a lot of water. I don't eat in the morning of solids. I first hydrate, uh, I stretch like a lot of these things that, you know, are very predictable. Um, but I thought of like, what's my real power hour is actually probably it is the hour after the nap. 
So I get a second morning when I take a nap. So I love my mornings and I'm so productive in the mornings and the, and the power hour adds a lot of value to my life. But I have two of those power hours. And the second one is after the nap, I get a second morning. Um, so just to provide a more novel answer uh, to your listeners, I would mm-hmm. say I try to get two power hours. I don't want to get greedy here, but uh, <laughs> you know, um, two is better than one. And just by trying to take a little siesta has worked incredibly well for me. And when I met my wife, she would never nap. She was like, oh, I think napping is so dumb and I don't understand why you would nap. And I don't know if it's her becoming a mom and and the constant lack of sleep, but she's like addicted to naps now. And she just told me yesterday, it's like, I honestly starting to live for this like 10, 11 a.m. nap with our son. It's like, it's become the best thing in my life. And I'm like, I I told you. Um, (laughs) But that doesn't mean you need to be lazy. You can actually be more productive by allowing yourself that little pause. And that pause could also, if you don't want to sleep, could be something else. But like a moment to yourself during the day to just pause and then have a second power hour. So yeah, I love that. I love that. And actually when my son was really young the sleep deprivation that you're talking about i saw a hashtag online i think it was shared by quite a lot of mums it was quite funny that was naps save lives and it was essentially saying when your kids nap you need to nap it was just saying you know women are both mothers and fathers of young children having a nap oh game changer so i really love that answer in that spirit uh i hope she doesn't mind me sharing it but my my wife used to um, before model and she had a company called coffee and hairspray because she said she's only as good as strong as her coffee and her hairspray traveling around modeling. And then she became a mom and I said, you should rebrand it as naps and nipples because when she was breastfeeding is <laughs> that she's only as strong as <laughs> as her naps and her nipples. And if the naps and nipples are strong, everything else is strong. And, and she actually, I think she put it on her Instagram as well. She's as a mom, she's only as strong as her naps and nipples, but yeah, hopefully she doesn't, she doesn't mind me sharing that. Well, I think she should very quickly try to copyright and IP that because that is fantastic. And I think it's, there's a lot of truth. There's a lot of truth in there. I thank you so much for joining, for sharing so much wisdom and knowledge with us. I'll be honest, Tedo, your voice is so calming. I feel relaxed just having this conversation with you and maybe like I need to go and have a nap myself. So thank you. <laughs> thank you so, so much for your time and and wisdom. I know the listeners are going to love this episode. Yeah, thanks for having me on. I, we, I feel like we could have chatted for another hour or two, but hopefully all the listeners got some good tidbits out of it. And, and yeah, uh, thanks for having me on. It was a pleasure. I'm sure they will. And I can't encourage you enough to dive deeper into Tello's work. He has a brand new book coming out in September, Healing Adaptogens. Check that out as well. Hopefully there'll be an audio, audio version. I am a binge listener of audiobooks, so I'm sure I'll be listening yeah, to that. Yeah, there, there will be. I'm actually uh, heading to record it next week. So I've um, on my previous books, uh, the publisher has hired someone else because i'm esl so i make all these silly mistakes at times because just english is not my first or even second language but uh this time the publisher said is no you're recording it so (laughs) I'm, i'm about to do it for the first time so wish me luck 
Yeah, good luck. I'm sure it's going to be great and I will look forward to listening to it. Thanks again, everyone, for tuning in to Power Hour. Have an awesome week. Stay safe and I'll be back next week with a brand new episode. See you. Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com.